The exciting thing about any form of autonomy is that it turns what would be viewed as a sort of a premium or a convenience feature, turns it into an essential feature. Right? There is no one to plug it in. The vehicles do need to go charge themselves, and the car just goes off, parks itself, and charges itself. So that is actually happening already. Wireless charging is autonomous charging. That's a big part of the future. Welcome to the official podcast of the EV Report. Here, we take a deep dive into the world of electric vehicles, bringing you exclusive interviews and insights into the company shaping our future. Let's get started. Welcome, I'm Brian Hagman, and my guest today is Alex Grusin, CEO of Ytricity. Uh, thanks for joining me, Alex. Hey, Brian, thanks for having me here. To start off with, could you provide maybe just an introduction about yourself and maybe how you got involved with Ytricity? Well, I'm the CEO of the company. I joined about nine years ago. And, you know, Ytricity came out of, originally out of MIT, around some inventions on how you could move electricity, power, electric power, wirelessly at a distance. And we've been working uh, in the automotive space since around 2009, 2010. Around then, Toyota had invested in the company, and we realized we had something pretty unique for moving you know, many kilowatts of power into an EV without ever having to plug it in, which is you know, sort of a pretty sort of powerful improvement of the of EV ownership experience. The only thing is back in 2010, there weren't that many EVs. By uh, 2015, 16, 17, you know, really it became clear that the EV market was going to take off. And while at the time, electricity had been working in many, many spaces with our technology, we, we focused the whole company by the 2016, 2017 timeframe 100% on making wireless charging for EVs a uh, reality and uh, for making the EV ownership experience better, right? Just making it as simple as you just, you park your car, you walk away, you come back to the car, it's charged, you never have to think about it. You know, it's kind of going to be the best car experience you've ever had, whether, you know, internal combustion or, or EV, right? I'm mean, going to a gas station is a great experience. And here we are, I think as an industry, you know, everyone's trying to like reproduce the gas station experience. You kind of create what you're accustomed to, what you're used to. Well, you know, going to a place to go plug in, to go charge is not great. It's actually worse than going to a gas station because, you know, at least with gas, you do it in five minutes. What we want to do is something a little different. We just want to make charging something that happens in the background, wherever you park, you charge and you come back to the car and it's charged. You never had to think about it or do anything. Yeah. No. So let's talk about that a little bit more. So for those who maybe haven't seen it or can't visualize what that looks like, is it, this is probably too simplified, but is it literally like kind of like charging your phone? Is it, is it something that's on the ground? Is it attached to your car? Is it underneath your car? Like, how does that work? I actually think it's better than your phone because, uh, yeah, there is a pad that's on the ground in the parking spot. Think about like a pizza box, right? On, on the ground can also be in, you know, like say a commercial operation could be embedded in the ground. Uh, there's a receiver that's built into the car that you pull over it and the power is wirelessly transferred from the charging infrastructure, the charger, you know, on the ground to uh, the receiver in the car, and then it's fed directly to the battery. So there's some really important things to think about there. One, the transfer power from the grid all the way to the battery of your car uh, is just as efficient as if you had plugged in, which sort of often blows people's minds, right? Like, how is that possible? That's one of the unique aspects of our technology is that really end-to-end, from the grid all the way to the battery of the car, we're the same as efficiency as if you had plugged in. For passenger vehicles, there's kind of a sweet spot around what's known as like 11 kilowatts, typical level two charging, 
on a modern EV, that would be something like 35 miles of range an hour. You know, this is not about pulling over to the highway and wanting to fully charge my, you know, 80% in 23. This is about parking and charging. Like when, when I come back to the car, it's charged. This is when I'm at work. This is overnight, a few hours at a time. In that context, we're just as fast as plugging in, right? But there's just no fuss, no muss, nothing to worry about. Come home with groceries, come home with a, a, a kid in the backseat, you know, don't have to worry about going back to your car later to plug it in or whatever. It's just come back to it, it's charged. I think it's like having an infinite range battery. You never have to worry about ever charging it. It's kind of like having an infinite range car. So I was going to, that was one of the questions I was going to ask about the power of the charger. So it's, it's considered a level two. So definitely, so it makes perfect, especially for someone who's charging at home, right? You have the system set up, they pull into their garage, get out. They don't have to worry about remembering to plug it in or whatever it's, it's charging. But are there any other obvious benefits, maybe even not for a homeowner, like someone from maybe the charging at work? Are there any other non-obvious benefits to the wireless Sure. Well, it's important to note, like when I talk about power levels and speeds, that's all about a particular product, not about our technology. I mean, we have we have 75 kilowatt systems up and running in our lab. Like the technology is not limited. You're just designing for specific application and, and, and power level. For the home user, this is about the best car ownership experience you've ever had. I just drive it and I park it and I never think about it. I don't have to go to a gas station, I don't have to plug it in, I don't have to worry about it. When we think about fleets, though, it's really about improving the sort of total cost of operations, right? I can embed charging where the vehicles normally are idle, right? It could be at the loading dock. It could be densely packed in a rental car lot. You know, it, there, it could be uh, at the delivery dock as well as the loading dock. And for transit, it could be bus stops. You know, you think of it as opportunity charging and quick top-offs. It serves a few purposes, like no labor, potentially smaller batteries, so lower cost of the vehicles, no maintenance, no moving parts, no vandalism. And if you spread charging out over time, you actually have a chance of lowering the charging rate, which means less demand charges, which is a big part of the expense of operating a depot. If I could charge everything more often at a lower rate, I actually significantly reduce my operating expense. So we've got two sides to the market, right? One is for the passenger vehicle, it's about a better experience. And for the you know, commercial vehicle, it's about a lower cost of, of operations. And, and our, our technology goes into both spaces. We just have, we have like, for example, we're selling now, we have fleets of vans, you know, where we've added wireless charging and it's sort of designed into their operations, as well as we have passenger cars where it's about a, you know, differentiated customer experience. We just finished the market research, for example, that showed um, if you, if someone is considering an EV, that you would increase their interest in their next car being an EV by up to 68% when you show them wireless charging, right? So people who are anxious about buying an EV and about sort of, it's, it's not range anxiety anymore because the range of cars has, has really gotten so great. But it's like just worrying about charging. How often am I going to charge? Am I going to remember to charge? Can I get to work? All these sorts of things. You just take that off the table. We get the next wave of buyers. Like, look, everyone who's listening to this loves EVs, right? And maybe already has one and they've convinced themselves it's the best thing and it is, right? But we need to attract the next wave of buyers, mainstream customers. And I think to do that, we need to make the experience better. And what we showed is that like wireless charging can flip those customers from EV considerers to EV intenders, right? And so instead of throwing $7,500 government checks at someone to convince them to buy an EV, how about making something that they really, really want, right? That's my objective. So that brings up a good point too about 
from the automotive perspective, the dealer perspective, you know, selling a new EV, someone comes in, maybe it's a traditional dealership where maybe they have both ICE, you know, combustion engines and a new EV. Is that part of your strategy? Do you partner with the dealerships, with the with the OEMs and say, okay, you know, make sure we have this wireless technology set up in the showrooms, in the lot. And so when someone's going to, to buy either, either they're an experienced EV driver and they're just maybe um, looking to trade in their, their previous model and get a new one or someone who would never consider it. And then they're looking at a few and then they see this. Is that, is that part of your strategy as far as the business model? It's a great question, Brian, because hopefully people understand the, the development cycle that it takes to go through automakers, right, the OEMs. As a business, we're here talking today and we are out publicly demonstrating our wireless charging technology. But I'll tell you, 90% of my team's efforts and energy are actually working with the OEMs, right? We are a product supplier to the OEMs. We are building the receivers to the specifications of the OEMs. We have a global supply chain. We supply directly to the OEMs for integration into the vehicle. So that is a multi-year cycle to get it deployed into the market. When it comes to market, it'll absolutely, absolutely is a, a dealer experience to see the wireless charging uh, in action. And it's one of the things that when you see it, you're like, well, I'm, I'm not going back. Right? I mean, it's like every technology in our lives has gone wireless, stays wireless, and you know, you can't imagine going back. And here we are in this massive technology transition to electrification. And we're like sticking a cable into people's lives where one never existed before. Just nuts to me. And my earlier in my career, I was in the computer industry and I was in charge of the world's number one notebook computer business when uh, Wi-Fi showed up on the scene. It kind of sort of dates me from an age point of view. But this was over 20 years ago and Wi-Fi went from being a super expensive option through a plug-in card to something that four years later, I could not sell a notebook that did not have Wi-Fi integrated in. And, and I, I see us doing all those same things now with the adoption of wireless charging. We got a global standard set. We've developed the first complete systems. We're now continuing to evolve them, shrink them, add more features. Our next generation of products are all vehicle to grid ready. And we're about to deploy. So it's pretty exciting. We sell to fleets for specific aftermarket installations now, both because it's compelling for fleets, but also it's sort of priming the pump, kind of getting the product flowing. But the core of our business is the work we're doing with OEMs for factory integrated solutions that would, of course, include the dealers. One thing I'll talk about when we talk about dealers and, and brands is we just finished a big wave of market research of luxury uh, vehicle owners. And we found this was pretty compelling, like 90% of the people surveyed would actually switch brands to the brand that had wireless charging. So really compelling, especially in the, in the premium segments, wanting the best and latest technology and wanting the best ownership experience. One person's quote was like, well, how could you consider it a luxury car if it didn't have wire? Right. So that's music mm -hmm. to my ears. Sure. No, yeah, absolutely. So sticking on like on the residential side, is your product available for residential charging currently? No, it's not. No, it's not. No. It's okay. available for fleets. And it will come through for residential cons consumers. It'll come through OEMs and the dealers. That said, all the different markets in the world are proceeding at different paces. So if you asked me, you know, is this available now for residential consumers in China? The answer would be yes, it is. Because that market is way far ahead of the rest of the world. If you think about EVs, you know, 
to a large extent, the batteries, the inverters, the motors are kind of similar. And the differentiation, you know, in a market like that is, it's not, if I'm going to buy an EV, I'm already buying an EV. So it's which EV, it has shifted to how do I differentiate mine from the competition. So EV charging is now out on multiple automakers in, in that market. Oh, it's still early, but it's it's happening and it's and it's it's for sale. So we see that we see the U, the U.S. market probably being about three three years behind. So do you anticipate the price point being sim from a residential charging perspective? Would the price point be similar to because you know there's a there's a wide variety of home charging options right now. You've got some very bare minimum, basic, no frills, not necessarily pleasing to the eye type of chargers to really advance. Yeah smart home stuff that's out there. So where would where do you see this whenever you guys enter the U.S. market from a residential charging perspective? Is this going to be kind of like on the high end? You know, obviously if it's... Yeah, it'll start as a premium, a couple grand more than a typical charge. Yeah. And I think there'll, there'll be a question of, you know, are you buying the unidirectional one or are you buying the bidirectional one? So let's talk about, I want to get on to the subject of like the infrastructure. So from a, like the public charging perspective, you know, you're at work, the fleets, uh, maybe shopping malls, things like that, where maybe you're going to be parked for a while. What infrastructure needs to be in place to put in wireless charging? Or is it literally the exact same resources needed for the charging now with plug and cable charging? Is there anything unique about the wireless that you need additional? No, it's 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 really exactly the same. It could be installed by your electrician or by a, or a service that's at the home in the public. If you look broadly at public charging infrastructure, something like 60% or more of the expense is actually the site prep, permitting, conduit, concrete, jackhammers, you know, all of it, right? And so our, ours is no different. I mean, we, all we need is power. And then the vehicle itself, is, does the vehicle need to have any sort of like retrofit to the vehicle? Does a new vehicle automatically have the wireless charging technology in it? Yeah, and that's where we do our work with the OEMs to be designed in, right? Uh, in the industry parlance, you know, being package protected, right? And so there's the room for the receiver, um, and, but we, we connect directly to the battery management system of the vehicle. Our receiver delivers DC directly to the battery management system. That receiver is sort of on the you know sub thousand dollars on the cost level of a onboard charger that would normally be fit to to the car. I think for the uh, near term, you'll they'll coexist, right? You'll have the full sort of plug-in experience as well as wireless. And I think over time there will be some markets, in particular like commercial markets, where they may say, you know, all I need is DC and wireless. Right. For example, we'll see. We'll see how that evolves. So the future of mobility, kind of transitioning, looking out five, ten, fifteen, maybe twenty years, depends on how long it takes. But my first thought was autonomous vehicles. In the future, of course, every autonomous vehicle is most likely going to be electric. So to me, my first thought was this has got to be a huge opportunity for electricity because I think it'd be a perfect match, right? Because there's no cables involved. You don't have to worry about robotics hooking stuff up, the vehicle just literally pulls into its parking spot and it charges. Is that, I'm assuming, that's a no-brainer, but is that something you guys are thinking about? It's actually already underway, yeah. The exciting thing about any form of autonomy is that it turns what would be viewed as a sort of a premium or a convenience feature, turns it into an essential feature. Right? There is no one to plug it in. The vehicles do need to go charge themselves. That has already been deployed uh, in the China market by a company called FAW, that is deploying with a real estate developer autonomous valet garages, and the car just goes off, parks itself, and charges itself. So that is actually happening already. 
And uh, we've also, not, not just uh, the FAW, we've also done some work with some autonomous shuttle companies, in particular one that is deploying our wireless charging with autonomous shuttle buses. So, uh, auto- you know, wireless charging is autonomous charging. You, you, yeah, you nailed it. That, that's a big part of the future. I don't have to wait for it. We have, you know, there's a lot of other benefits in the, in, in the interim. Sure. Now, there's, there's other EV wireless charging companies on the market, emerging from the market. And you guys have kind of been a pioneer, right? You've been around for almost 10 years now. So what, what has separated or what separates you all from maybe some of the other similar technologies or other companies in the market today? Well, you know, one of the important things is, you know, is we spent um, over a decade getting a global standard set. You know, the benefit of a global standard is, you know, that lots of companies can build to that, right? And so we, we need a broad variety of companies, both both infrastructure providers, as well as supporting all the global automakers and all of their sort of tier one suppliers to make this pervasive. I think one thing of note would be like the, the announcements we made a year ago that Siemens invested in electricity is a big strategic partner of ours. Siemens committed to deploying public wireless charging infrastructure, you know, which was also now then great news to the automakers to say, okay, well, now I can focus on the car knowing all this public infrastructure could be out there and deployed. So it's a pretty big tent. So we we already talked about the autonomous vehicle, the growth in that segment. Is there anything else you're keeping an eye on as, you know, as, as a CEO of a company, obviously there's a lot of things you're having to manage and think about, but is there anything else within like the EV segment that you're kind of curious about or that you're kind of keeping an eye on about what's, what's ahead? One of the challenges of, uh, I wouldn't call us a startup anymore, but certainly a private venture backed technology provider in the auto industry is you just, you need to stay focused. What I'm most excited is that you're seeing a lot of a lot of momentum in the space now, a lot more attention. Tesla recently acquired one of our licensees, so it's uh, super exciting just to see the energy and attention that's coming to this. And I, and I think all of our automaker customers are all reacting to that and sort of accelerating their plans. Yeah, that that, and I've got a, I've got a ton to go execute right now. So you know, look in the future, there is a lot of effort on our on our part for enabling uh, vehicle to grid. That's a big hot topic uh, in electrification right now. You see uh, in California legislation coming through that's going to require all vehicles to be ready for vehicle to grid. Well, we're ready. That in and of itself is an expansion of, of our efforts and undertaking. As I mentioned earlier, pushing up to higher power levels for, for fleets is, is another element. And I think for, for our company, uh, it's the transition from being a technology platform developer to being a product company that is actually shipping uh, you know, full automotive-grade qualified product to OEMs for factory installation. So it's super exciting. We have, we have a lot on our plate. Probably the most exciting time you know, in, the, in the 10 years I've that's great. Well, Alex, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I appreciate your time today, and I definitely look forward to for doing this again sometime. Terrific. We'll have more news for you, Brian. Thank you. I'm Brian Hagman, founder of the EV Report, and I would like to thank today's guest, along with all of you, for tuning in. Don't forget to hit subscribe, and I'll see you next time.